From WCL Pure, this is One Ocean. Hello and welcome to another episode of WSL Pure One Ocean. Uh, this is Reese. I just got back from Madrid where I was attending COP25. COP stands for Conference of the Parties and this meeting is the United Nations annual COP for climate change. It's way more conference than it is party, uh, but that doesn't mean I didn't have fun. It was a real honor to be there actually. I had a couple speaking opportunities supporting our partners at the NRDC in their efforts to promote marine conservation. And there's going to be a lot more on that in the year ahead. But um, I was also there presenting the WCL's participation in the UN's Sports for Climate Action Initiative. And if you're interested in learning more, we'll link to the presentation in the show notes so you can check it out and learn more about the framework. Point is, I'm definitely jet lagged, but I'm also energized by all the great dialogue that I had this week. We still certainly have a long way to go in working on climate change, but I also have to celebrate the progress and be excited by the people who are in the fight. This week, we're speaking with Raphael Bergstrom of Sustainable Coastlines Hawaii. I was able to steal a few minutes from Raph in the midst of a very busy couple days. His team was on the ground working with vans for the Triple Crown of Surfing, active in the Bill 40 campaign, which you're going to hear more about in this episode. And he just flown back in from California from an emergency. And that night was also due to be honored at the Surfer Pole Awards. So he had a lot going on. And still with all that, he was really focused and present, stoked on their mission, and just a real pleasure to hang with for a bit. So I really hope you enjoy our conversation. And if you're enjoying this podcast so far, please do rate, review, and share with your friends. If you're new, go check out our earlier episodes and subscribe. And finally, be sure to stick around at the end as we have another stellar batch of ocean news in this week's Flotsam and Jetsam, including some news on a Blue New Deal. Okay, now for my conversation with Raphael Bergstrom from Sustainable Coastlines Hawaii. How would you introduce yourself? You're executive director of Sustainable Coastlines uh, Hawaii, but how do you introduce yourself and, and, and who are you beyond the title? Yeah, I, I introduced myself as Raf, Raphael, like the Ninja Turtle. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and recently the executive director of Sustainable Coastlands starting in, in 2019. And yeah, I, I mean, I think that my, my world is in the whole world that Sustainable Coastlands is around is protecting our beaches and our coastlines. And, and I introduced myself in that way too and trying, trying to do the good work that, our, uh, that we're doing to inspire communities. And... I did my master's degree here in University of Hawaii and worked for Surfrider Foundation for about five years before uh, coming to Sustainable Coastlines. So you, you, you're just in it. You're in the community. You came here, you never left, and you got hooked in, and now you've been with two of the marquee groups of the community. Yeah, deep in it. I love this place. I mean, it grabbed me instantly from being here and uh, really connected into a lot of my values right, right off the bat. I, I, was, I grew up just exploring the outdoors and, and a family that Where'd had you grow this, up? Uh, mostly in Sacramento, California, uh, right along the American River. And that was my, my backyard as a kid, just exploring nature. And my parents have that environmental ethic in them. And when I came here, there was just something about the way that community develops here and how people interact with each other that hooked me. And I felt immediately a part of it and wanting to give back to community here, too. That's so cool. And so uh, you were working with Surfrider uh, Oahu for a while? Yeah, I was and, the Oahu coordinator for Surfrider. And did you go straight from that to Sustainable Coastlines or were you yeah. doing some other? Because oh, weren't you a photographer for a while or was that at the same time? Yeah, I'm also a photographer on the side. It's like <laughs> my it's my side passion. I, I love taking pictures of the natural world and people in the natural world. Is, that's kind of my, my go-to for photography. Very cool. So Sustainable Coastlines Hawaii, for those who don't know, what is your mission? What is it you guys do? 
Sustainable Coastlands Hawaii inspires local communities to care for their coastlines. That's our mission statement. And we do that through these really large scale, fun, hands-on beach cleanups with the intent of bringing community together to understand the issue of plastic pollution. And we know that cleaning up beaches isn't the solution to our problem. So we, we like to get people, large groups together, sometimes as many as 1,500 people at a beach cleanup. Yeah, slow down, 1,500. That's like, that's no joke. No joke. It it's was a, a mini festival. Exactly. And that's the idea. <laughs> Kahi, Kahi Picaro, our founder uh, with his team, that was what they wanted to do from the beginning is, is create that atmosphere of a festival. It's more than a beach cleanup. It's a place for a community to gather and then learn about the issue so that they can take the lessons with them, which is the whole inspiring communities to care for their coastlines because it really does start with our own personal actions and how we stop plastic pollution at the source. And so, you know, I think some people, you know, have been to a beach cleanup and they've been like, all right, do you need 1,500 people to pick up straws and cutlery or whatever? But what you guys do here in Hawaii is next level because you're getting a lot of direct derelict fishing gear. You're getting nets. You're getting big, heavy stuff. And, like, I think it's almost, like, on brand that you're a tall, muscular dude, <laughs> you know, because, like, you got to be, be able to get out there and, like, haul some nets. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, what washes up on our shores in, in the – Eight and a half years that we've been around, we've cleared over 500,000 pounds of debris off of the Hawaiian coastlines and united over 40,000 volunteers in doing that work, too. So it's it's pretty incredible. But Hawaii, yeah, it's at the epicenter of the plastic pollution in the Pacific. So we get everything from the small single use items that we that we're working to get rid of to the like you said, the giant derelict fishing nets and everything that's coming out of the ocean from all over the world. Yeah, it's really impressive. I mean, we'll we'll link in the show notes to Sustainable Coastlines Hawaii and to some of the work that you've done in the videos, but they always just look so fun. And that's that's one of the cool things is you guys make it fun. It's not about like, oh, I gotta go pick up trash. It's like we're gonna go do this. Let's bring it. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, from having live music at events to just games for the kids, whatever it is, it's you don't inspire people by scaring the crap out of them. You, know, you really <laughs> you gotta get them into a into a topic, especially if they're new to it by bring them together to have fun and then they can learn through that fun experience. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so we're here in Hawaii. It's uh, the night of the Surfer Pole Awards. Uh, it's the Van Triple, Triple Crown of Surf thing going on. Um, a lot going on for sustainable coastlines. Um, let's start with the Triple Crown and the work that you do here during that event. Can you explain a little bit about your work and your partnership with Vans and with WSL Hawaii and, and, and everything you do here for the events? Absolutely. It's a it's a really cool program that started years ago at the Triple Crown where we we have it we called our waste diversion program. And the idea is that we're working with business to try and again stop things at the source of the problem. And by educating the public and businesses about how we can get plastics out of the waste system altogether. So we set up our diversion systems uh, at the different events of the Triple Crown that separates out trash, compost, recyclables. And the idea is that the more people interact with waste in that way, that they start realizing there's a resource behind it too. And we don't have to, we don't actually have to waste. And so we've been doing that and the program has grown so much over the years where between Vans and WSL really coming together to embrace the program too, it's, it's spread so much more awareness to the point where we're not even using plastics uh, at the events anymore. And, and that's huge. That's really truly what the mission of Sustainable Coastlines is, is to work from the very grassroots level to the business level to inspire the change before the problem starts. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, we now at the, on the WSL side are eliminating single serve plastics from all of our championship tour events, um, just writ large. But it was funny when I first came on, I've been on, in this role for about two years now. 
I didn't worry about Hawaii as much because I knew that you were already doing great work. When I first came out here, when I first got the job, this was the first event I came to, and I was already like, oh, they're doing a great job, and they're hitting 65%. I think I think you hit 70% waste diversion, and I was so impressed right off the bat. So I was like, okay, cool. Jody and the team have it locked. Kim at Vans, they've got it locked. They've got sustainable coastlines on it. Awesome. There are other events that are more challenging, and so I've focused my attention there because you guys just have it locked down, which has been great. So thank you. Absolutely. <laughs> it's amazing. I mean, and to, and to see the community connections that happen through it, working with Waihuana Farms and doing the composting side of things where we're really actually talking about how do we, how do we create resources out of waste. And, and that's something that people don't understand at first. How do we, how are we connecting plastic pollution to compost? And it's, it's one of those things when you start thinking about if we start, stop using so much plastic, the disposables that are going into a system like compost, well, we create healthy soils in Hawaii. We start getting carbon out of the air. There's so many deeper connections from just that simple choice of eliminating plastic. We're working on climate change. Yeah, that's amazing. I, I, um, I know that that's been a challenge here is, you know, people think that they're switching to a compostable or biodegradable plastic and they go, okay, sweet. You know, I did my part. But unfortunately, the reality is that most of those won't actually compost. They won't biodegrade in your backyard. They're not going to biodegrade unless they hit an industrial composting facility. And then even then, there's a chance that they're not going to be composted. And in a, you know, a resource-constrained island like you have here, you know, unfortunately, you don't have one of those facilities, right? No, we don't right now. We're actually working on a really cool project with Sustainable Coastlines for 2020 where we're going to do a small-scale uh, pilot project uh, around industrial composting but some of the things we use i mean the the paper like clamshells those things sure. will break down it's more of like the hard the pla cups and things that are still the issue that they need those industrial style systems which a lot of places don't have and that speaks to the the bigger issue too as well we want to get rid of plastics we still want to get rid of single use altogether the more we can inspire people to reuse and not think of something else that you use once and then throw away as the solution it's more about changing the way our behavior exists altogether towards that reuse economy at one point you were trying to compost some of those bioplastics here and you realize that it just isn't working and so that's why you're working on this bigger opportunity or solution right yeah exactly we were working on some of the bokashi systems to try and break down the pla plastic what's so the bokashi system bokashi is is actually an at-home compost idea where you use effective microorganisms em and you can put the the compost directly into a bucket and really break down anything and you add the the em to this basically any of your compost and it'll break it down and then you bury that uh maybe like two weeks after you've done the bokashi and it'll turn into healthy soils. So wow. it's it's something that people can do, you know, even if they have apartments, they could get a small Bokashi system. But we were doing it on a larger scale with all the waste from Triple Crown. And yeah, some of those PLAs, they would start to break down, but they need more time and more heat to uh, actually really break down. Yeah, for sure. So on some of the other business uh, solutions that you've been working on, You've also been working with the government, like thinking about ways that you can go upstream, right? Again, pushing upstream. And so uh, it's pretty exciting that I got to be here during this time because you've been working on Bill 40. So um, what is Bill 40? Bill 40 is one of the strongest single-use plastic phase-outs that our country has. And it's been a, 
a long process. We, you know, we have to work from the grassroots level all the way to the policy level to make these kinds of big changes that, that it's going to take to stop plastic pollution. So, so what is it calling for? So it's, it's ban, it's a ban on single use plastics, right? So which ones, which, what's it taken down? So it's, it's mostly all the, the things that you think of in takeout containers. So we have our utensils, our straws, our polystyrene or styrofoam foam containers, and those are kind of the low hanging fruit. And, but this actually goes a little deeper into more plastics. So all plastics takeout containers and uh, cups and lids, stirring sticks, all the things that we're literally using once and then throwing away. So it's, it's a big, a big move and it's going to happen over the next couple of years. And so, and there was a lot of pushback on the bill from the business community, right? And, and even some kind of cultural sort of, well, this is the way we prepare certain dishes and stuff like that, right? And I'm, I'm not local enough and I don't know the nuance enough. So please explain for myself and for listeners who don't know the local sort of pushback. But what was that like? What, what was the concern? There was a lot of there's a lot of misinformation that comes from the the plastics industry wanting to perpetuate this. So they kind of spread some of these these rumors in a way they the don't take away my plate lunch campaign and that like we can't eat plate lunch without plastic, which is just it's so not true. And if you really think about a cultural connection to Hawaii for 2000 years, people weren't using plastic here. And, <laughs> right, and like, we got by without it for a long time, guys. Exactly. And most <laughs> of the world has gotten by without it for most of human history. So it's. It was a sad kind of attempt to sabotage some of the bill. Uh, the The thing is, is that plate lunch is a staple here. And for so long, it's been served on styrofoam. But the, the problems with styrofoam extend beyond just plastic pollution. There's health issues involved with the creation of it. And styrene is a really nasty chemical that's that's used in it. So there's there's a couple sides of it is that the alternatives to styrofoam might be a little bit more expensive, but in the grand scheme of things, they're not as expensive because we're, when we think about them being made out of fossil fuels, out of nasty chemicals, how much it costs for us to clean it up afterwards, the compostable alternatives or the bring your own alternatives are actually cheaper in the long run. In another episode, uh, I spoke with uh, Jamie Gove, um, Dr. Jameson Gove, who works with NOAA, and he's doing research here on the amount of microplastics in larval fish. <laughs> and basically saying that uh, larval fish tend to hang around um, the surface of the ocean in these like slicks and that uh, the tension of the surface tension of that water is such that it gathers microplastics in that area even more so. And so then the fish are even drawn more to it. And so you think about the long term costs of ingesting our own plastic <laughs> versus like a cent more for something more sustainable, you know? <laughs> like, exactly. Yeah. And that's, and that's one of those things that the, the business community hasn't really tied into the costs and, and it's not told enough to the public. I mean, California did a study that they spend half a billion dollars every year cleaning out storm drains and beaches from plastic in Hawaii. It's, it's similar. I know that the, our department of facilities management has similar problems where our storm drains get clogged. I mean, we're spending a million dollars a year in volunteer hours for all the beach cleanup organizations in Hawaii. So the costs are enormous from the aftermath of them. And studies have shown that worldwide we're spending billions of dollars to clean up plastics. Totally. So back to the bill, um, yeah. take us through the story, uh, to, you know, how did you get this in, you know, um, who are the other stakeholders? Who are the other groups you were working with? I know Surfrider was involved, Zero Waste Oahu, Kakua, et cetera. So kind of give me a little bit of the story of how you got it to, to last night. Yeah, I think that, that a lot of people think that something like this might just happen overnight. They see the bill pass. And, and honestly, this has been a decade's worth of work from people have been involved in it. I've been working on it for seven years. I've probably seen 25 bills die before this one. And that's from a variety of reasons of the plastics industry really fighting against us, uh, just 
different policymakers who don't have the same ethics that we do and, and have the same cares. But this happened because of that you know, decadal movement of people being putting their time and love into this and understanding and, and spreading the, the message more and more to the larger community. And what we've seen with Bill 40 is unprecedented numbers of our community coming together to support it. And in doing so, they inspired our Honolulu City and County Council members to take a lead on it. And we had a big shift in our council that gave us a good majority of people who really started to see the plastic pollution problem as something that we had to take action on. And then once we had the backing of the community, and really, I mean, like you said, the incredible community groups, Sustainable Coastlands, Surfrider Foundation, Kukua Foundation, and Zero Waste Oahu, amongst others, Sierra Club, who really came together to spread the awareness and do a lot of the background work to make sure that our council members had all the information that they needed to to do this bill. Yeah. And as a partner on the WCL Pure side, you did a great job of you know, getting those emails out with very clear instructions. Here's what we need you to do. Here's when you need to do it by get on it. Right. And you're like, we need everybody to provide testimony. We need everybody to share this message. We need everybody to do whatever. And that kind of organization takes a lot of work because you got to be on it you got you to gotta like have all your details dialed in so that we know what to do. And that was really helpful for us at the WSL because we were able to say, hey, Surf Breaks team, we got to promote this. This is a community that we care about. You know, the WSL, we speak to the global audience, but we all love Hawaii. <laughs> like it's Mecca for surfing, right? So we're like, hey, this is really important. We all got to get behind this. So we tried to help, you know, amplify that message. And I thought what was really cool was seeing John, John Florence, you know, help amplify. Then you saw Kelly Slater share and then you saw Chris Hemsworth, you know, and it was like, boom, you go from a few million to a few million more to all of a sudden 40 million people are going to see that message, which is so cool. So kudos to you guys for raising that message to the next level. Oh yeah. And thank, I mean, thank you and WSL for, for picking it up and, and getting the word out there too. And yeah, I mean, Jason Momoa chimed in on it too. He's, he's been supporting us um, throughout the last couple of years. And you're right. I mean, it went from a couple of hundred people to 75 million people seeing seeing this out there because of that that spread and and that's what it's all about i mean when i first started going to the legislature and city council there were not many of the community that was showing up and and i started to realize it was going to take really re-engaging our civic participation in order to put the pressure on that we needed that's able to combat those special interests who are in their whispering in ears and and that's i mean that's how politics has worked but over the last five years the amount of people that have showed up and testified and called council members called legislatures it's incredible to see and that's what won bill 40 was truly the community coming together and then it spread and spread and spread and spread and i mean there were thousands of pages of testimony that were submitted for this bill what were the numbers again the numbers of uh, of for and against so be testimony before the the day before the hearing the early testimony there were 2500 pages of testimony submitted and we just did some simple numbers of running word searches and support appeared 2,500 times and opposed appeared about 130 times. So, yeah. <laughs> and so, um, you know, I know being here uh, on the North Shore yesterday, everyone was kind of talking about it. And I surfed with Kona uh, yesterday afternoon real quick. And then he's like, all right, I got to get downtown. I got to get to the testimony. I couldn't make it. So I didn't make it downtown because it is a, it's a haul to get down there to commit that time. We had uh, another teammate from the WSL who was there at 10 a.m. She was there. She's like, I'm on it. And then she's like, I guess I'm hanging all day because I put it to the la end of the day. And um, finally, she, I said, keep me posted, keep me posted. She texted me right at the end of the day. And she's like, it passed. It passed. I mean, you got to be so stoked. Oh, man. So stoked. It's it's one of those feelings like it's, it almost doesn't seem real because, like I said, it's been 10 years of work for some people who have been in it deep. And, and to hear that 
seven to two vote like this is passing and it's going to the mayor's desk who has said that he's already in support of it. it it's an overwhelming feel of joy release all these things and yeah but you got to see some of the process that we we go through in this is it is not easy for the public to time their days around this that that hearing started at 10 but there's so many other things on the agenda that i don't think that they started the hearing for bill 40 until 3 30 or 4 o'clock it was late afternoon and then you think about people have jobs kids things to do a life and then getting all the way down to city hall with traffic on <laughs> the north shore is like it's no joke right no joke and so to get that many people committed because um we saw some video inside city hall there's a bunch of people there i mean they're all cheering and it, it was it was awesome yeah, it's been amazing to watch how many people actually show up. I mean, and everybody from students to businesses to just your average everyday citizen. I mean, Dyson, he's one of our, our star high school kids. Uh, he's actually homeschooled and he got 1,600 signatures of students from around the state and rolled out this giant scroll. Oh, is that what of, I saw in the video? Yeah. Oh, that was so cool. And I couldn't make out what it was. I could just see the scroll. And Dyson himself has been working since he was 14 years old on on these issues. He got inspired by some of the work that we put out there for doing more civic engagement and has just been a champion of getting that youth to really speak out about the future that they are going to inherit from us. And and that was powerful to the, the council members to see that students are coming in and saying, you can't put business interests ahead of the future of all of us who have to deal with it afterwards. Future voters. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, well, congratulations to you and the whole team. I know you all worked really hard on it, and I, and I know the whole community worked hard, hard on it. So congrats, man. It's Thank like, you. You're soaking it in. I can see the smile that you got going. It's pretty rad. And so tonight you're being honored, uh, not necessarily for this work because you were already up for it, right? I think you already got the award. It wasn't predicated upon last night's success. No, Bill Forty wasn't <laughs> wasn't what made the award. That happened before. But it's, but it's pretty it's, sweet. Absolutely. It's amazing. It's a, it's a huge honor. I know. I mean, especially just... The Sustainable Coastlines was started in Hawaii. It exists in Hawaii. It works for Hawaii. And obviously it works on a global issue, but it's rooted here. And so the Surfer Pool Awards uh, are, are such a staple here on the North Shore. And the work that we've been doing with WSL and Vans at this very time of year, it's it's just it's a it's a huge honor to Sustainable Coastlines to be recognized within this community. Yeah, and so you're getting the Agent of Change Award, right? So cool. It's really cool. Awesome. I mean, yeah, I'm still still buzzing from it. I'm still <laughs> still soaking it all in between Bill Forty and this. It's it's a really cool time for our organization, but for this movement in general. So cool. What really quickly before we go, um, what lessons do you have for those out there in their communities, whether they're part of a nonprofit or not? What lessons do you have for people who are saying, "I want to do this. I want I want to ban plastic bags or bottles or whatever it is." Um, what learnings can you share quickly? I think that there's so many ways to get involved and it's and it starts with our daily choices. And when you start doing something like bringing your own water bottle or bag, those are the simple steps that change your mindset that you start thinking more and more deeply about the other changes. And then the civic engagement piece is is something that everybody can do. And, and it might be hard to show up for a hearing during your workday, but it's not that hard to send an email to your council member or legislature or call their offices. And those things make a difference because the more public support that goes into their ears, the more 
capable they are on going out on a limb and doing something like this. So, I mean, knowing your council members, most people don't know who their council members are or who their state legislatures are. And that that's a first step is like find your state website, your city website and figure out who your leaders are and start having conversations with them. And then seek out the groups like Sustainable Coastlands Hawaii in your own community who are doing this type of work and see if there are already there's wheels in motion to start some sort of policy on this issue and link up with them because they usually already have the the avenues tracked out to how to start it, what bills are already going through. And and that's really it. I mean, it's getting involved in all these different ways from the grassroots level to your own life. So cool, man. Um, anything else you want to share? Anything on the sustainable coastlines front that's coming up that we should know about? Uh, we're, I mean, we're just about to release our 2020 schedule. We're excited to, to have all of our major big beach cleanups. We're going to up our waste diversion program. We're going to do a lot more innovative education in classrooms this year. I mean, anybody is welcome to join from from anywhere. Follow along with us on Instagram at Sustainable Coastlands Hawaii. But if anybody's ever out visiting here, just feel free to link up with us through our website and and come and join us. I mean, this this organization is fueled by volunteers, and it's something that Kahi and the the founders almost a decade ago it was it was all about that always this really grassroots level of people coming together and so we want anybody who wants to be a part of this movement to join us i love your energy man i love your stoke level i love what you guys are doing it's so cool it's great to finally get some time with you even though it's brief but let's get you down to this party so you can receive this award uh and yeah we'll be in touch awesome thanks so much race really appreciate being being on the podcast and uh all the work that you guys are doing to to share the message that we're working on too thanks man cool yeah Thanks again to Raphael for taking that time to sit down with us. Um, It was a really great combo. And thanks to the whole Sustainable Coastlines Hawaii team, Rachel, Rebecca, and everyone, all their volunteers. They really do such a stellar job on the North Shore. And and especially a shout-out and and gratitude to Kahi Picaro, who is the founder of Sustainable Coastlines Hawaii and just did an amazing job building the organization and um, you know does a lot of work on the North Shore to protect that area. So um, great job, and great job to the whole Hawaiian community who worked so hard to get Bill 40 across the line. It's so rad to see communities step up and protect their special corner of the earth. And so uh, our friends at you know, Kakua Hawaii Foundation, Surfrider Oahu, Zero Waste Oahu, such great groups. If you love Hawaii and you want to see it kept clean, go support those organizations. They're all stellar. All right, what else is going on in ocean news in this week's Flotsam and Jetsam? First up, the Blue New Deal. I mentioned this at the top of the hour. Um, I don't want to get too political here, but there is an American uh, presidential election coming up in 2020. And there are a bunch of candidates and they all have a bunch of different plans. And the reason this is relevant to everybody is that America is a big country and what we do here affects everyone everywhere. And what's really cool and what I'm excited about is that Elizabeth Warren has put forward a blue new deal. So you may have heard of the Green New Deal, which is proposing clean energy and and a sustainable future. The Blue New Deal is very similar, focused on the ocean. It's talking about ways that we can fight ocean acidification, how we can create the blue economy and build the blue economy, policies on offshore drilling, on our fisheries, on using uh, sustainable ocean farming. And, and it's just really cool that all of this is even being talked about at the presidential election level. You know, shout out to our WCL Pure board member and ambassador, Dr. Ayanna Elizabeth Johnson, who worked on this for the Warren camp. I highly recommend you go check her out. 
Um, we'll link to her Instagram here. She is super smart. She knows what's going on with the ocean. Uh, she helped coordinate the entire Blue New Deal. And this really goes back to, you know, she and Chad Nelson, CEO of Surfrider Foundation, as well as Bren Smith, uh, the founder of GreenWave, kind of got together and said, hey, we need a Blue New Deal. And the Warren team picked up on this and ran with it. And now they have a plan. And that's just so cool. I'm really excited to see, you know, the ocean get top billing. And I hope that this pushes all candidates to think more about the ocean in their policy. Next up from our friends over at Lamont Doherty Earth Observatory, some of the researchers over there have a really great article in Reuters um, called Mortal Corals. It's about corals and the importance of coral reefs and how they can be studied to tell us things about the past. Um, I don't know if you know this, but if you kind of drill through a coral and take a core sample, you can look at it just like the rings on a tree and understand how old that coral is and what was going on in the environment at that time. And that's pretty rad when you have corals that are hundreds and hundreds of years old. Yes, corals are just like trees. They can be hundreds of years old. So um, this is a really cool interactive that Reuters does, and I, I highly recommend checking it out to understand a little bit more about why corals are so important, how we use them to study Earth. Finally, one other really fun link that came our way this week is uh, it's the Deep Sea, and it's a sort of interactive uh, website. It's basically just infinite scroll. So if you don't like scrolling, don't go. But this one's a fun one. You just scroll and scroll and scroll and you're just diving deeper to the bottom of the sea to see what organisms live at every depth of the ocean. And when I mean every depth, I mean truly every depth. Uh, you scroll all the way down to the bottom of Challenger Deep, to the bottom of the Marianas Trench. It's just a cool visualization of the deep ocean. And it's so insane that there are birds that can dive to hundreds of meters deep that you know polar bears even dive to 75 feet deep that you know there are sharks that uh, hang around at thousands of feet deep I it just all of this is mind-boggling but it's a really cool way to visualize it so we'll link to that in the show notes go check out the deep sea all right that's it for this week's flotsam and jetsam some fun stuff in there all of it will be in the show notes. You can also find us on Instagram at WSL Pure or if you want to just hit us up with an email uh, shoot us an email, oneocean at wcellpure.org. Again, that's oneocean at wcellpure.org. Tell us what you're up to. Tell us what we need to include in the podcast. Tell us what you think. Um, we'll be back on January 1st, ready for a huge 2020. That's right. We're taking next week off, but that doesn't mean we won't be thinking about our one ocean, maybe even making some ocean resolutions. What's your ocean resolution going to be? Shoot us an email. Uh, mine might just be to get in the ocean more. Um, and until 2020, we hope you take the extra time to enjoy hanging with your family, celebrating whatever you do or don't celebrate, gifting sustainably, of course, zestfully debating ocean policy, especially now that you know more about the Blue New Deal, hopefully surfing, getting outside, getting in the ocean, and just enjoying yourself. Take time to recharge ahead of 2020. It's going to be a big year. I'm personally headed back to the East Coast where I'm from, and I'm excited to see the salty shores that I call home. All right, 2020, here we come. Till next time.